The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Thursday, May 12th, 2022. Yeah, it's 2022 now. How about that? And it is indeed a heck of a morning here on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces and soon to be on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for having us on. There's so much to talk about right now on this Thursday because we are still dealing with the aftermath of UFC 274 and everything that has come out of that. Most notably, from the top of the card, Charles Oliveira, the weight miss, being stripped of the title, submitting Justin Gaethje, the conversation of where does Charles Oliveira go from here? Was it the right move to strip him of the title? And there have been a lot of opinions on this. And let me just say this right now, because I've had I had people DMing me after Tuesday show saying that I'm, I'm a little short-sighted on this, that my opinion is wrong. I even had somebody, we, we've discussed this after, I'm not going to say this person's name, but this person actually told me, I sh- he, he basically laid out a scenario based on my opinion on the situation, and then I didn't respond right away, and then he responded by saying that I should go consult Ariel before I come back with my, with my retort, so to speak, and that got me, that got me. You wanted to fire me up, you fired me up. So I came back and gave my opinion. And in the end, we talked it out and we were all good. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. No matter what side of this equation you are on, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. If you are on the side of, you know what, rules are rules, a half pound is a half pound, you know, if if he misses by a half pound, I don't care who you are or how many pounds you miss by, if you miss weight, 
you missed the contracted weight. You should not be the champion anymore. If that's how you feel, I that's fine. I'm not going to call you a name or anything. I'm not going to tell you to go consult somebody else. That's how you feel. And that's the beauty of MMA. You can have your opinion. You can have your thoughts. You can have matchmaking thoughts. And maybe you have a different person than, than, than I have in mind for, for a particular fight. It doesn't make you wrong or make me right. And on the flip side, if... I feel that Charles Oliveira being stripped of the title and this whole situation is dumb. That doesn't make me wrong. That's just how I feel. So, again, nobody's wrong. You can have your opinion. That's why they're called opinions. That's how you feel personally. And even if someone says you're wrong, screw them. Screw them. That's why you are who you are and you have your opinion. So, again, I'm standing on the mountaintops. I think the Charles Oliveira stripping is dumb. But I will say this, in the end, it has made this whole conversation a little more interesting, right? Because it creates different opportunities. It puts more names into this conversation. Because if Oliveira makes weight and he steamrolls Justin Gaethje and all this stuff, we're probably waiting for Makachev versus Darius to happen. I know that fight's not done, but it is being discussed for October. I don't think that's a secret to anybody. I'm not breaking any news here. But if Oliver just goes in, excuse me, and just runs over Gaethje and retains the belt and all that stuff, we might be waiting for a Charles Oliveira fight. We might be waiting until the beginning of next year until Charles fights again or the end of this year. But with this situation, if you're a fan of Charles Oliveira and you want to see this man fight as often as possible, there's a chance you we might sneak in a second fight here before they do Makachev versus Oliveira. Uh, excuse me, Darius. Now, there is a very good chance that the UFC just pivots and does Oliveira versus Makachev. And they, if they do it in Abu Dhabi, it's kind of a tough draw for Oliveira because he just fought. The, but just remember, that card on that, that card this past Saturday is supposed to be in Brazil. So they're basically giving – it was being put together as a homecoming of sorts for Charles Oliveira. Then it gets shifted to Arizona, which is the hometown of Justin Gage. Justin Gage gets the hometown fight. And then if you're going to do Oliveira versus Makachev at Abu Dhabi, you're giving Makachev a hometown fight. So you're kind of just kicking Oliveira while he's down a little bit. But that makes things interesting. Again, like I said before, if you do Makachev versus Dariush, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. And can I just say this? Any, and I've seen this on Twitter, and I didn't respond, and I really, really wanted to. Stop saying fighters are ducking other fighters. You really think that Charles Oliveira is ducking Islam Makachev? That is the silliest thing in the world. And you could have an opinion on that. And like I said earlier, this goes against what I said earlier, how you could have an opinion and you're not wrong. You would definitely be wrong if that's your opinion. If your opinion is that Charles Oliveira is ducking Islam Makachev, you are out of your mind. You're out of your mind. You're wrong. And you deserve to be chastised for that, for that opinion. But lots of opportunities for Oliveira. We'll see what happens. Michael Chandler is another guy with a lot of options right now with all the call-outs and everything that he's done. No sells Justin Gaethje. Apparently Nate Diaz is now in the conversation, although I don't think that fight happens because Nate wants to fight in July and it appears that Chandler won't be ready in July. I thought Chandler's interview on the MAR was really interesting. He kind of low-key shaded Bellator a little bit because he was asked where these promos are coming from, and he said he wasn't going to cut him in Bellator because it wasn't the premier organization. 
not a, not a lot of people are watching or, or listening to their programming and they don't have the best fighters in the world. So thought that was a kind of interesting take from Chandler as well, but lots to discuss. We got two cards coming up this weekend. We got Bellator 281 in London coming up tomorrow. Interim welterweight title on the line in the main event between Michael Venom page and Logan Storley. It was supposed to be Michael Venom page challenging Yaroslav Amosov for the undisputed title. Amosov, of course, Ukrainian fighting for his country against the Russian invasion. So he is not fighting and Bellator goes in and does an interim title here. I've already given my thoughts on that. Not a big fan of slapping an interim title on the line in this case, because Michael Chandler, excuse me, Michael page could fight anybody in the main event spot in London. And the reaction is going to be the same. The buzz is going to be the same. You could just do Michael Venom Page versus Logan Storley's number one contender fight, and it does exactly the same thing. I don't know how much more money these guys are making. If it's a significant amount, I get it. But I just feel like in this situation, with everything happening over there in, in their part of the world, not a big fan of the interim title in this situation, but still a very interesting fight. We got the retirement fight of one Paul Daly. He was supposed to fight Andre Koreshkov on that car, which was a really interesting fight. And now he's going to fight Wendell Giacomo uh, in his retirement fights. And he's Holtz versus Kata Watanabe on that card. And Leona Machida versus Fabian Edwards on that card as well. And then Luke Trainer is back uh, to fight Simon Bayong. And yeah, it's not a, it's not a bad card. It's, it's not a bad card. If you get a Friday afternoon, why not? Fans are going to be up. They're going to be ready. They're going to be fired up. It should be good. And then the UFC, of course, is back on Saturday. And the main event of that card is Jan Bohovich taking on Alexander Rakic. Interesting fight. It's a big one at 205, especially depending on what happens less than a month from now when Glover Teixeira defends against Yuri Prohashka. Co-main event, I am going to take the AK Lee stance on this. Not really a co-main event, more like the second-to-last fight. The penultimate fight, if you will, Ryan Spann versus Iwan Kutalaba. Should be exciting, not really a co-main event. Louis Smoka versus Davey Grant should be fun. Caitlin Chukagi and Amanda Hibas. Frank Camacho, Manuel Torres. Jake Hadley makes his UFC debut against Alain Nascimento. Featured prelim, great fight. Probably the most interesting fight on the card, in my opinion. Viviani Araujo versus Andrea Lee. Michael Johnson is back, fighting Alain Patrick. Verna Janjaroba fighting Angela Hill. That should be fun. We will now get the debut of Tetsuro Tyra in the UFC, taking on fellow debuting UFC fighter in New England's own Carlos Candelario and Nick Maximoff. Nick and Nate Diaz protege opens up the show against Andre Petrosky, which is interesting because Nick Maximoff was in the quote-unquote co-main event in his last fight. Now he's in the quote-unquote curtain jerker. And... I wonder if Nate Diaz is going to be in town for this. Maybe there will be some discussions, some meetings between the UFC and Nate Diaz and his team about maybe getting him into the octagon for one last fight. But lots to talk about. We can talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Uh, we're going to go for about 30 minutes because Jorge Mazadal is actually be back in the courtroom. Uh, I don't know if he's physically going to be there or on Zoom, but it's going to be a status hearing. Lots of discovery. I'm sure you guys have seen all the articles about that. You saw the photos with Co Covington, the missing tooth. They're going to talk about the 
you know, the, the, the brain injury that Covington allegedly suffered from this alleged attack from Mazadal. They're going to talk about medical records, the watch, all sorts of interesting stuff. So uh, I will be on that. So stay tuned to MMA Fighting for any updates on that, if that is your kind of thing. But let's go to the peeps. Let's go to the callers. Let's go to Hussein to get us started on a Thursday morning. Hussein, what's up, buddy? Make sure you unmute. There you are. Hey. So, a lot of fights announced recently, a lot of exciting ones. Just would like to know which one is your favorite. But also, Darren Till versus Jack Hermanson particularly, I'm not feeling good about. Just how he did against Brunson last time with a grappler heavy fighter. I just don't see it being a good day for him. Maybe the Smash Bros combination has helped him improve his grappling game, but is it at the level for him to take on Jack Hermanson? I don't know. Thank you, Hussein. Yes, that is. Uh, there's a lot of fights on the docket over the next couple months. Uh, that is one of them. Darren Till versus Jack Hermanson. Look, I, I think Darren Till is probably being basically getting mauled by Hamzat Shamayev on a daily basis. <laughs> it's probably going to make you a better fighter. I'm sure Hamzat's work ethic has carried over to him a little bit. All-Stars is a tremendous team, so he's going to get a lot of good work over there, not only working with guys like Hamzat, he's working with guys like Guram Kutatalatse, he's working with guys like Alexander Gustafsson, so he's getting work in with, with several good fighters. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you know, spending nine, ten months with those guys is going to change your your ground game or your wrestling and things like that. But I'm sure it's going to motivate him in a different way. And plus, getting up sort of a hometown fight, fighting in London is going to be a very big deal for him. So I think it's going to be a pretty competitive fight. It's a must win for Darren Till for sure. But it's also kind of a must win for Jack Hermanson if he wants to stay in some sort of title conversation. Um, but Darren Till, here's the thing about Darren Till. If Darren Till goes out there, and just runs over Jack Hermanson in London. It's crazy to even say this, but he could get a title shot next. It's just because of his star power and people care. Meritocratically, it makes absolutely no sense. And she, he should probably need to win like four more fights before he fights for a title. Um, but again, if he gets Israel Adesanya's attention and Adesanya beats Jared Cannonier, don't be surprised if we see something crazy like that. Because Adesanya is starting to run. And if, I, know, I understand we got a Sean Strickland, Alex Pajeda fight coming up. And the winner of that will probably fight for the title. But Darren Till makes that short list and maybe a win away. Or he's on deck at least because of just Adesanya's strength of schedule and things like that. Um, in terms of the other thing where all these different fights are being announced. Look, there's a, there's a lot of good ones. I love the Moreno Kaikar France fight. Am I a fan of the interim title? Not particularly, but I get why they're doing it. It's not the end of the world. More money makes the fight with Figgy even bigger. Like if Kaikar France wins, there's no argument. There's no discussion for a fourth fight at this point. And if Moreno wins, he did what everybody wanted him to do. Go get another win, then fight Figgy for the fourth time. And he does that. And it makes that an even bigger fight. So I like that fight. But to me, it's Volkanovski Holloway 3. That's the one I'm that's the one I have circled. I love that fight. It's so good. I love the the first fight I didn't love. I thought it was a clear win for Volkanovski. The second fight is one of my all-time favorite fights. And it doesn't get enough love. It's just so close. It is literally the closest title fight you will ever watch in your lives. And if you haven't seen it from UFC 251, I implore you to go back and watch it. And even if, even if you have a certain feeling about that fight. If you scored it for Holloway, 
I, and again, there are times on Twitter where I get blasted for my opinions. The opinion I've gotten blasted on the most in my entire career covering this sport is that I said Volkanovski beating Holloway at UFC 251 was not a robbery. I didn't say Volkanovski won. I just said it wasn't a robbery. And people absolutely lit me up for that opinion. But I implore you once again to go back and watch that fight because I've watched that fight probably a dozen times and I've scored for Volkanovski every single time. But it's not like a clear-cut win. It's something you have to just kind of needle and pick apart and look for different things. I just felt that Holloway won the first two rounds and I thought Volkanovski won the last three rounds and they were all super-duper close. So I can't wait to see how that fight plays out. And if Volkanovski wins, holy cow, we have a lot of options for that, man, whether it be a 45 or I like the idea of maybe him going up to 55 and fighting Oliveira for the vacant title while we figure out what's going on with Makachev and, and Dariush. That's how I would do it, a chance to have some fun and do some different things. But I love that fight. I can't wait for it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's get Tristan in here. Tristan, what's hey, up, buddy? Mike, what's going on? A um, couple of things real quick. Uh, I don't know if you watched yesterday in Victor FC 47. Uh, that was the Dakota versus Sabatella fight. It was a good, pretty good card. Um, but I want to give a shout-out to uh, Fatima Klein in the strawweight division. I think she's uh, someone to watch as she goes out through her career. It was a pretty good card. 
um, the Dakota versus Salabatella. Salabatella moving up from Attaway to, to challenge for the strawweight title. Very controversial at the end because she didn't want the uh, the fight to be stopped. But uh, Dakota just caught her with a nasty punch that cut her eye. So good card overall. Uh, I don't know if you got to watch, but it was pretty good. Um, and then I want uh, pretty much your thoughts on Pat Berry's interview with uh, Ariel Hawana yesterday explaining what happened in that fight. Um, particularly what he said, because he kept saying that uh, Rose kept slipping on the canvas more than like once or twice. So that's why she was very conservative in her approach and wanted to stick to the game plan. One of the things that he really, that, that when I was reading the article was Trevor Whitman and, you know, Perry's been taking a lot of heat because they felt like Trevor Whitman should be the only one that should be um, in that octagon giving um, Rose some instruction and him being in the background. So, but, you know, obviously he said he doesn't care. He's not, he's not letting, listening to the outside noise. But one of the things that was interesting, what he had said was, and I do remember because they did one to the corner, they were saying, all right, let's go open up a little bit. You know, you know, let's open up, let's freestyle a little bit. Let's, you know, put some pressure on her. Uh, when they were about to start round five, but Rose kept saying, no, 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 I'm going to stick to the game plan. No, 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 I'm going to stick to the game plan. So my, my my thing was, was she aware of what was going on here? Um, you know, that's where the self-awareness, I started, now I'm questioning kind of the self-awareness of what was going on. Because she did, I think she probably watched the fight over because she did say, oh, man, I screwed up. Cause, um, I, because they were thinking, when they were telling her, like, open up a little bit and let's freestyle and put some more pressure and do some different things, I just don't, I'm not sure she was self-aware. That's why I probably, you know, they, she was saying, no, 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 you're trying to trick me. Let's stick to the game plan. So, you know, that's that's where I think there was probably a little bit of confusion, and which is surprising on, my, on her part because Rose has been fighting for a long time. So I, I would think she's more self-aware as normal. So just your thoughts on her, on, um, on her, on her, on Pat Berry's interview about the whole situation. All right, Mike, thanks. Thank you, Tristan. Yeah, I think if uh, that was a crazy MMA hour yesterday, I will admit I was kind of over that interview about 15 minutes into it. I was just, it was just all over. It was just kind of all over the place. And there's just a lot of self-awareness mysteries going on there with Pat, with Rose. It was, I don't know. It was, it was just a weird one. If, if we're being honest, if, you want to go back and, and watch it go right ahead. It is kind of fascinating in a in a certain way, but man, Rose is just an interesting character. And I've said this a few times since Saturday. There's a lot of fighters that I want to see a 30 for 30 on someday. John Jones would be an interesting story. You could do the Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz rivalry. That would be a really interesting one. Just what happened that year, everything that went down, uh, or just that whole year in general. That whole year in the sport of MMA would be just a wild 30 for 30 to watch because everything that happened at UFC 200, Connor and Nate, it was supposed to be Connor RDA, everything that happened that year. The sale of the company, 2016 was probably the most interesting year in the history of the sport. And then Connor was right at the center of all of it because of the two Nate fights. Then he has maybe the all-time greatest championship performance against Eddie Alvarez to become the second uh, to win the second title. I mean, 2016 was a wild year. 
in a 30 for 30 just on 2016 in the UFC would be really, really interesting. Bro, a 30 for 30 on Rose Namajunas would be just ultra fascinating to watch. Her career has just been just wild. It's been a wild, wild ride when it comes to just everything that just everything really. It's just, it's just crazy the way she performs and when she's not the champion compared to the way she performs when she is the champion. I mean, there's just so much context there. I have to go back and watch that fight. I am not in any rush to go back and watch that fight on Saturday. And I'm sure a lot of you are like me. Good for Carla Sparza. I don't want to take anything away from her because she won the title and she came all the way back and she's the champion. Good for her. I don't want to take anything away from her. The fight's bad. It's one of the all-time worst title fights ever. I don't place a lot of blame on Carla. Most of it goes on Rose. But at the same time, the reason why I want to go back and watch it is because, one, the Canelo fight was going on at the same time, so I wasn't like completely invested in it. I wasn't watching with everything that I had, with all of my attention. So at initially, when I first watched it, I scored the fight four rounds to one for Rose. And you might think I'm crazy for saying that, but li- like literally nothing happened. Like nothing happened in the whole fight. Even the fourth round, the most, the biggest moment in that entire fight was the reverse waist lock takedown from Carlos Sparza. That was the most, that was the biggest move in the fight. And Carla had her back momentarily, but then Rose got right back up and she punched her in the face. Like, with probably the biggest shot she landed the whole fight. So I gave that round to Rose. And there were other rounds where it's just like Rose landed like a shot or two more. But I could be crazy. It just depends. Like, the takedowns meant nothing to me. They meant absolutely nothing. And there were certain rounds where Carlos was landing, landing light kicks, but I took the takedowns completely out of it. I took them out of it. Because they they mount they amounted to nothing. It was basically just a positional change, but nothing happened. But yeah, the wherewithal, just Rose's mindset heading into these fights, or even in the middle of them, when she's the challenger compared to when she's the champion, it's just it's unbelievable. It's night and day. And Jed Bashu made a made a great point in our post fight show that Rose Rose when she's chasing the title is a much different fighter than Rose when she has the title. And we saw that on Saturday. So, and then the Invicta card, I did. I did not watch it. Uh, I like to. I like to separate from the sport when I can. I don't. I mean, th- there are certain nights where I'll work till five, but I'll be doing different things, trying to confirm news till like nine or ten. I confirmed a fight when I was off the clock last night um, between Mandy Boehm and Victoria Leonardo. But when I have the a chance to take a break, I take it. And I saw highlights. I saw Emily Takote win against Alicia Sapatella. By the way, I know Invicta likes to go back and give Alicia Sapatella rematches. Do not do that here. Don't do it. Please, for the love of God. I saw Jillian DeCorsi's knockout of Lindsay Van Zant, which is very difficult to do. Lindsay is as is, is tough as they come, and that was a nasty knockout. Uh, Sarita DeJesus, who I have known for many years, got a nice win, so I, I paid attention to that, but uh, I will admit I didn't watch any of it live, but I did see some of the highlights of it. Let's get Christopher in here. What's up, buddy? Maybe. Yeah, there I'm you are. Right. What's up? Good. Yeah, um, I guess I kind of wanted to go back to last weekend, right? And 
I was watching Brandon Roval fight and I've been a huge Roval fan since he was in LFA. And I think all of us in here, you know, if you're in a heck of a morning space, you're probably a diehard MMA fan. Um, I struggle to, I, I would struggle to name you maybe 10 or 15 fighters I find more exciting in the UFC than Brandon Roval in the entire roster. And I think what makes him so exciting is the fact he could knock out Figueredo next week and he would probably lose to Jalgas Jumagulov like the week after, right? The guy's so exciting and he's, it's just the way he fights, right? And he had that great quote where he was like, um, he, he walks out of the fire of like a tan, right? Um, so yeah. I'm just wondering what you think the ceiling is on this guy. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you, Christopher. I take a sip of uh, my giant iced coffee here. Listen, I have been, for, for those who followed my career before MMA fighting, you know how high I am on Brandon Royval, and I've been that way for a very long time. And I do feel that if we're talking about, we talked about Rose being a, a fascinating character in the sport and just the mindset of a fighter. I think Brandon Royval is like the male equivalent. The way Brandon Royval looks at fighting is one of the most fascinating things ever. When I interview Brandon Royval, it's not about how exciting of a fighter he is. It's not about his fights. It's a it's like an episode of Dr. Phil. I am so fascinated by this guy. Because at the core, at his core, he hates fighting. Hates it. The moments when he's about to walk out, he's having an inner dialogue with himself. He's talking to Mark Montoya. And he's just like, I hate this effing sport. I hate it. And then he gets in there and he slaps the mat and does whatever and He's in there, and he just knows he's got to do what he's got to do to survive. Matt Schnell was, seemed to be a perfect foil because I, that fight was going to be really interesting to me because I thought Matt Schnell was going to kind of slow things down a little bit. If you slow Brandon down, that's what it makes things real interesting. Matt went right after him, and I was like, oh, boy, this is not getting out of the first round because if Matt doesn't finish him here, Brandon's going to. But if you could sit there and put Brandon in a methodical paced fight, if you could slow him down, keep space, just land leg kicks and things like that, and don't let him get into a firefight, then Brandon has to think a lot in there. And if you, Brandon doesn't like to think what he's in there. He just likes to immerse himself into the chaos of what a Brandon Royval fight is like. And we kind of saw that in Royval's last fight heading into Saturday, but this is a, this is a quintessential Brandon Royval fight. I love the guy. He's great. And if you listen to on to the next one, if Manel Cap beats Argerio Bontarin on June 11th, you do Manel Cap versus Brandon Royval. That fight absolutely rules. It's tremendous. It's fantastic. And everybody will be happy. So let's just hope Manel Cap makes it to June 11th. Let's hope he wins. And then we get that fight placed upon us. And of course, Brandon Royval basically broke the news of this interim title fight. Uh, I mean, I told you guys about a month ago, I think maybe on the first episode of the show, that the UFC was looking into Moreno versus Kai Kaikara France. I didn't know there would be an interim title on the line, uh, but Brandon Royval kind of broke that news on Saturday. Said he heard there was an interim title fight coming up between those two guys, and sure enough, that's, that is what is happening on July 30th at a location TBD, although it looks like Dallas could be could be the front runner. I know Boston is in the discussion as well. Uh, but if I was a betting man, that card is taking place in Dallas. So don't be surprised to see a lot of a lot of Texas fighters on that card. We could see uh maybe Nunes Payne ends up with like I don't know. I don't know. But 
Dallas looks like the uh, Dallas looks like where that fight's gonna be. But Royval's great, interesting guy, and the more he fights, the better we all are. Let's go get uh, let's get Donkar Emanuel into discussion this morning. We got about fifteen minutes to go. What's up, man? Make sure you unmute. No, I didn't see that. I was yeah. Anyway, I have two. I have two questions for you, Mike. So, sure. first question: um, When I listened to Rose's post-fight interview, um, is it possible that this notion that to be a champion you would have to beat the champion played a role in her mindset that she thought that made her think she was winning the fight easily? And my second question is. Um, so in a hypothetical situation, if Oliveira has a very bad injury, like in the case of Ngannou and has to sit on the sidelines for a long period of time, right now that he's not the champion, which means that there can't be an interim title, what happens to the lightweight division? Will, what, what do they do in, with the title? Yeah. So that's it. Thank you, uh, Dunkar. I appreciate that very much. So the first part of the question, yeah, I, and it seems like there are a couple of things she said that that really stood out that are kind of false narratives when it comes to title fights. One, to be the to to, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. Like you have to legitimately beat them. That, that there's just no truth to that. There's just no truth to that. And I know with some of the decisions that happened and the early sort of the early stages of, of title fights in the UFC and the early stages of judging. And look, Aaron, I see Aaron Bronsetter here, who's actually been very he's very one of the guys that I look at when it comes to judging fights, especially while, while they're happening. He's very good at that. He has immersed himself into judging and how things are scored and the rules of judging. And there are a lot of fighters who have not done that. They just haven't. And they sort of have these two notions that one, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. That means like, so, if, so with that mindset, you're saying that if Carl goes out and wins 48, 47, she's not the champion because she didn't win a, an extra round. That whole thing is, is just, it's a silly narrative and it's wrong. So if you're a newer fan and that's the way you look at things, this isn't like boxing or anything like that. This isn't the WWF. Where if you don't, if you only win by pinfall or submission, you're the champion. No, no, we just saw it with Aljamain Sterling. He won the title by DQ against Piotr Jan. That happens. So that whole thing is right. And then another thing she said was, "I don't get points for defense." No, you don't get points for defense. You don't. But that I thought that was maybe the most interesting part of the post fight was I don't get was the question that I don't get points for defense. No, you don't get points for defense. You just don't. So yeah, that was that was really interesting. And then heavyweight, yes, Ngannou is still the champion, and I still believe, even though Ngannou is hurt and he's on the sidelines, he is the most interesting story of the year right now because what is going to happen come December thirty first, heading into twenty twenty three? Is he still going to be a UFC fighter? Because from all accounts, from what everybody's saying. Once this year ends, Ngannou that championship clause, everything he has. Off the table, 
He's essentially a free agent, and he can do whatever he wants. He can take his talents wherever he wants. He wants to go bike, box Tyson Fury and go box Tyson Fury. If he wants to re-sign with the UFC, he can re-sign with the UFC. If he wants to go to Bellator or PFL or one or wherever, he can do that. So now we got to figure out what we're going to do with the championship situation, and it seems pretty clear that we're going to do John Jones versus Stipe Miocic for an interim title. John Jones was showed up on the CES MMA broadcast on Friday and basically said, looks like September 24th, and he hopes it's in Vegas. Now, from conversations the MMA fighting squad has had with Team Stipe, that lines up pretty well with when Stipe wants to return. And I know you. a lot of people saw the War Room screenshots from that interview with the pivot, and we all got excited and a lot of people thought that those fights were gospel because they were on a wall on pieces of paper. They were talking about July 30th, but Dana White was right when he says that a lot of those are placeholders. These are what we're thinking. Can we make this happen? That's why you saw Nate Diaz versus Hamzad up there in, in different things. Although I wouldn't, I still at this point would not be shocked to see Nate versus Hamzad because I think Nate would literally fight anybody at this point. You give Nate an opportunity to fight anybody. Hamzad, in Ganu, it doesn't matter. I think Nate's saying yes to anybody at this point, just so he can go off into free agency because he has one fight left on his deal. And I think we all know why Nate hasn't been booked to fight. They want to keep extending him, and they don't want to put him into a fight unless he extends his contract, resigns, adds more fights to it, and Nate doesn't seem like he has any interest in doing that. Now, would it shock me if Nate did do that and signed an extension and stuck around and you know, maybe they can have a profitable relationship for years. I wouldn't say I'd be completely stunned by this, but I would be surprised. I would be surprised. Think of all the money that this man can make outside of the octagon. I think there is a world where he could have an MMA promotion or he's seeing what other, what other fighters are doing right now. Maybe in boxing in the Jake Paul fights right there for, I mean, there's lots of, lots of things that they could do. Plus Connor's contract, there's only a couple of fights left there too. So I think if I think what the UFC wants to do is they want to do McGregor Diaz three just so they could cash in on that before it's too late. But if I'm Nate, I'm I like exactly what Nate's doing right now. Just stick to your guns, feet in the sand. Don't take the Connor fight because in his eyes, I could fight Connor outside of the UFC in our own promotion. We could do our own thing. And we could do it in any sport. We could do it in boxing. We could do it in kickball. We could do it wherever. And people are going to spend lots of money and they'll, they'll reap all the benefits. They don't have to give a percentage to the UFC. They get to keep it all. And I know the UFC knows that. They're, not, they're, they're, they're smart. They're smart business people. That's why they sold the freaking company $4.2 billion six years ago. They know what they're doing. Donkar, I guess, might have another question. So why not? We got nine minutes. Let's go. What's up, buddy? Uh, because I think you got my question a little bit wrong. I was actually talking about Oliveira, that if Charles Oliveira has a bad injury and he has to sit on the sidelines for a long time, right now in the lightweight division, there is no champion. So that means they cannot have an interim champion. So then what do they do in this situation? You're right. I uh, I didn't miss, miss I, I didn't misinterpret it. I just went off on my own tangent, which you know, being 
being a person who was born and raised in Boston and spent 30 years there, it's typical. Typical things that we do. So if Oliver is hurt and he's out for an extended period of time, they'll just move forward. They'll move on. Oliver is not the champion. The whole thing's dumb, and he should be the champion, at least in my opinion, but he's not the champion. So if he's not available, let's just say he goes home to Brazil, he goes back in the gym, and he tears his ACL and he's out for a year, the UFC is just going to move forward. They're going to... There you go. They'll do probably Makachev versus Dariush for, for a vacant title. And as soon as Oliver is ready to come back, he'll get first shot. So they'll move on. There's plenty of things they can do. There's plenty of fights they can make. And they can throw whoever they want in there. They can throw Chandler in there. They can throw whoever they want in there. They can wait till Connor comes back to Chandler McGregor for the, for the vacant title. They can do whatever they want. It's their title. And then when Charles is ready to come back, Charles gets the first title shot. So, yeah, that one's pretty clear-cut because Oliver is not the champion. If Oliver was the champion, they'd do the same thing they're doing with Ngana. He'd still be the champion. They would do an interim title, and then they would unify the belts once Oliver is ready to come back. So, really interesting times at 155. I don't know what they're going to do. There seems obvious ways they could go about it, but again, I am on... I chose chaos at UFC 274. That's why I picked Oliveira to win, especially on Friday night after the weight miss and after the title being vacated. There's just no doubt in my mind that Oliveira was going to win because when chaos begins, it's usually followed up by more chaos. And it just seemed like that's the direction this world was going to go. And as I said on the preview show, I'm picking Oliveira to win. I have no idea why. I had no you know, technical evidence to support my theory. It was just, I, I chose chaos all the way. And I'm still choosing chaos. I'm still sticking by my guns. I'm still sticking by the fight that I want to see happen. I want to see the UFC go forward with Makachev, Dariush in October. Clear-cut number one contender fight. I think whoever, if they make that fight, whoever wins, whoever goes on to challenge for the title becomes that much bigger. Because what's the, what's the problem? We feel like Makachev is the best lightweight in the world or very well could be the best, very, the best lightweight in the world if you don't think that way. What's the rush? If he goes out and beats Dariush, then we have no questions. We have no questions. There's no options. It's him and nobody else. And same thing with Benil. If he goes out and beats Makachev, there's no questions. There's no options. We're not throwing Chandler in there. We're not even talking about Connor in this discussion. The winner of that fight is the guy, and that's it. And it becomes a much bigger fight for whoever is the champion. So I, the UFC has, the, has an opportunity here to have fun with this and do some different things and think outside the box because let's just let Darius Shabakachev fight like we originally thought. Let's do it in October. It's a very big deal. It's a huge fight. If you want to make it five rounds, you can make it five rounds because it's your promotion. You can do anything you want. Whoever wins that fight fights the champion, whoever that may be, early 2023, and it is a gigantic fight. Gigantic. Right now, if you booked Oliver Makachev, we're talking about it. It's interesting. The styles. Can Oliver, what happens if the fight gets to the ground? Makachev's not going to be afraid to get to the ground. How will the striking translate in this fight? It's an interesting stylistic matchup, but that's what we look at more than anything. But if Makachev has that Darius win on his resume, then we're like, oh boy, can Charles even beat this guy? Then we're having those kinds of questions, and the fight becomes much bigger. So I like the idea 
that I had, and again, this is my opinion. You could disagree if you would like. If Volkanovski beats Holloway July 2nd, let's just have some fun. Volk wants to stay active this year. If he goes out there, beats Holloway, and he can come back in like September or something, let's just do that. Oliveira versus Volkanovski, vacant title. Because it doesn't hurt Volk if he loses that fight. Yeah, the winning streak ends, but it's not like he's undefeated as a fighter. So we, we, we don't get lost in the zero. We get lost in the UFC zero. We get lost in the long winning streak he's on. But we, I mean, Jimmy Rivera was on like a 21 fight win streak. And that was, I mean, that was cool. But once it was over, it wasn't like, oh my God, his winning streak's over. And then Volk could just go back to 145 and do his thing. But here's a chance to have some fun and put an interesting fight together that otherwise we might not get for a long time. So that's my thought again, but that's a big if. That's a Volkanovsky beats Max Holloway. And that is a very big if. We'll take two more quick ones. We'll get Matt Sherwood in here and then Tajik Bay, you'll close the show. Matt, what's up? You just got to unmute if you haven't. Mike? There you go. I just have two quick comments. One on your last comment. Interestingly, in my opinion, for those sleeping on Darius, I think that's the biggest contest you'll see the Russian face. I think if, if he beats him, he'll beat even easier or more easily the champ. I think Darius has got more skills than what the next step will be. And that's why I want to see that fight. Not necessarily because it makes sense, but because I think that's the hardest time the Russian will have. I think he'll walk over the belt. Um, and real quick, back to Francis. I, I think that a lot of fighters, particularly like this situation, are using the UFC's marketing to include their communications on their shows, to build themselves up when they weren't known before or without the UFC to make a bunch of money somewhere else. If you look at Francis and Stipe, they both kind of killed the heavyweight division. The heavyweight division should be drawing everybody to buy pay-per-views as opposed to just a lightweight division. So, in my opinion, don't extend Francis' contract. Cut him loose. That's all I have, Mike. Oh, thank you. Interesting take. Um, the Stipe one, I guess, I don't know. I mean, Stipe's been some big fight. The Stipe... I covered UFC 220 in Boston when Stipe fought Francis Agano, and you mentioned those two guys. That was a very big deal. Boston was buzzing for that fight. And usually Boston buzzes for their local guys, and there were local fighters on that card for sure. But, I mean, the buzz in the air for Ngannou, Stipe, and this is way, and this is like the surge of Francis. This is before the Francis that we've seen on this incredible run he's on now. It was a humongous fight. The heavyweight division is just is is always the standout division, just because it's heavyweight. You see Ngano on a piece of paper. You see him just gigantic. How can you how can you look away? Now, if we're going to compare star powers, like you throw Stipe against random heavyweight, might not do as well. But Francis, I think Francis is a draw for them. I do. I think I think they could still make a lot of money with Francis now. I do agree that if Francis doesn't want to be there and the UFC doesn't want him there, like just let the man go. But there can be petty at times, and they're being petty here. But that's who they are, and that's why they make billions of dollars. They're not just going to let Francis – they're going to be smart about it. If they see a light at the end of the tunnel, they're going to just extend him. And it doesn't really matter here anyways because Francis is hurt and he's not fighting anyways. But you get to the end of the line, Francis doesn't want to come back, you let him go. The machine rolls on. You still make a ton of money without him. 
Same thing with Nate. Nate's a star. Nate draws a lot of eyeballs. Nate is draws interest to the company. But it doesn't hurt them long run business-wise to lose him. It's it's a dent. It's like a leg kick in the overall grand scheme of things. But the UFC is not going to like go out of business because Nate Diaz isn't there anymore. Nate fights very infrequently. And Nate still has ties to it. You, I mean, the whole it's it's just a it's just a weird situation, especially with the deals they have with ESPN right now and how much money they are making with this deal with ESPN. It's all like guaranteed money that they're getting. So if you lose Francis, you lose Nate. It's it stings, but the train will still roll on. You know, it'll still roll on. In our world as fans, we'd love to see the UFC keep both of those guys. Now, if I was a betting man, and I'm not, I would say Francis will probably stick around. I think they will find a way to have cooler heads prevail in this situation. If they want to let him box Tyson Fury, just, I mean, I, I think they'll realize that, listen, this might be a stupid move and Francis has no chance to win, but if we let him do it and take a piece of the pie, I mean, how, who does that hurt? You get money, Francis does what he wants to do, now you get a happier employee. Now, I, the long term, you might have other fighters say, well, I'm not doing this until I box this. This is a different situation because Usman was calling out Canelo and nobody wants to see that in the world besides Usman, Ali, and his family, and maybe Usman's teammates. Nobody else wants to see it. Canelo would be the easiest night of his life, the easiest night of, of his life. And he'd probably make $50 million to box Kamar Usman, and he would destroy him in a boxing match. And even Canelo doesn't want that. Even Canelo doesn't want it. Tyson wants this fight with Francis Agato. They all want it. Everybody seems to, everybody at least seems to have some interest in this. We all know what's going to happen. I think we learned our lesson from the, from the McGregor Mayweather thing. Like anyone who watched combat sports with an intelligent eye knew that Connor had zero chance to win that fight. We all knew it was going to happen. We all knew Floyd was going to win. But there was int- everybody was still interested in it. I knew Floyd was going to win. And I knew Floyd would win running away. I predicted the fight. Ex- exactly. But I still watched it. I was still interested in it. And I feel like we would get that with this Fury and Gatto fight. I know we're not getting that with Usman Canelo. That's for damn sure. So I kind of hope Usman moves on. But with this situation, everybody at least seems interested in it. So why not? Why not just let it happen? Make make him happy. Keep your heavyweight champion with a smile on his face. Everyone makes money. I don't see a problem in that. And everybody seems to have some semblance of interest in it. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Tajik Bay, final word, my man. What's up? Oh, hey, uh, Mike. Yeah, uh, yeah. so a couple of comments here. Another great space. You know, um, uh, happy to join every time. Uh, so I think Chandler, uh, Chandler's win is something that his recent win, I think, has solidified him as an A-side essentially against anybody. He is a shot caller right now, and he essentially can any make uh, uh, make any fight happen right now. And I, he has all the cards in his hands. If he wants to fight, uh, uh, if he wants to fight the champion, he can fight the champion. If he wants to fight Connor, he can fight Connor. It doesn't really matter. Nate, Nate Diaz. So I think this last, last win has solidified him as essentially an A-side against anybody and somebody who is from the UFC's perspective is actually not a problem either uh, because uh, he's very marketable. He is very media friendly and his objectives, you know, uh, coincide with UFC objectives. So in a lot of ways, he is probably the best signing that UFC uh, has had. I mean, I would say all time, probably top three. And um, yeah, that's awesome. And that's where the kind of the Mahachev issue comes in because from the marketability standpoint, it's really hard. And that's why he has to go through this route of beating everybody in front of him. And uh, and of course, recent event in Russia, I think, don't really help Mahachev's case, you know, to, to get into the, uh, into the title shot. So I think a lot of uh, interesting things to uh, unfold here. Um, but yeah, we really have to wait and see what Chandler decides, what's next for him. And it's great to see him kind of succeeding in this type of fashion because uh, because I think he deserves it. Yeah, And I agree on uh, Benil and Makhachev. I think that has to happen. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Yeah, here's, here's what's interesting. I'm looking at this from a from a UFC perspective, like what are they thinking here? And I think what they're, I, here's, this might be a hot take, but I'm going to say it anyways. I think Michael Chandler has a better shot of getting the title fight than Islam Makachev does, does right now. I just think there's, and it's for the exact reason you said, there's a buzz behind Michael Chandler and they just want to see this guy fight at this point, which is crazy. Even Jed Mishu, who has said, on many of our programs for the last year and a half or more, once Chandler was a free agent, once he signed with the UFC, he was not a Michael Chandler guy. He's even said that he thought Michael Chandler sucked. And after Saturday, he no longer feels that way. So I think a lot of people who looked at Chandler with a kind of a rolled-eyed, roll-of-the-eyes view, I don't think they feel that way anymore. The guy just brings it. And he's a great, I mean, he's been so good for the company. The guy gets it. He's a promotional machine, puts the company over all the time. He puts Dana White over all the time, has nothing but good things to say. And then he goes out there and just has these incredible fights. There is a very good chance, in my opinion, that Michael Chandler fights Charles Oliveira next. But again, like you said, Jadrick Bay, he's got a lot of options. They could do Connor. They could do Poirier, even though he doesn't seem all that interested in Poirier. They could do Nate. He is in a tremendous spot right now. The problem is, let's see how he is physically. I know he's got some injuries. Here at his foot. He talked about 
a hand injury while he was warming up, which by the way, uh, we had heard as well heading into that fight. We had heard when Chan basically as Chandler was making the walk out, that was something that was being floated around amongst the staff members. So we weren't really surprised to hear that, if we're being honest. Uh, but let's see how he how he feels. I know he's supposed supposed to go see doctors and get some things checked out. Doesn't look like July 30th is going to be an option, but September maybe. I don't know. He's got he's got so many options right now. Talk about a two and two fighter in a promotion who has just has all the chips in his favor. It's crazy. And good on him because he's a great dude. He's a great dude, and you know, even, even we all knew he had this in him. We all knew. I mean, he's had some crazy fights at Bellator for sure, but he also had some. How should I put this? He also had some workman-like performances as well, where he wrestled and, you know, grinded out decisions and things like that. But if you interview Chandler 2014, 2015, 2016, these promos that he's cutting now, these aren't surprising. He's always, he's always had the gift of gab. He's always good at selling fights, and that's why he was the face of the promotion. And he should he should have been because he's that good with the mic, with his fights, all that stuff. And then just the whole thing with Makachev, Dariush, and this is no fault of Makachev's at all because he's been put in big fights. Just for some reason, he just has bad luck. Either he gets hurt or the opponent gets hurt, and he says, I'll stay on the card. And then he goes and fights. I wonder how much – I thought it was a big blunder back when it happened, the whole RDA situation, putting out those tweets, whether you're joking or not. And then when you have Dana saying we offered him the fight and he didn't take it, and we know how petty they could be, I think that silliness is going to keep him out of this title fight. I think they're going to, I think Dana is just a, such a big fan of Makachev Dariush. They, it's going to happen. And I'm fine with that fight. Again, there's no need to rush Makachev into this title fight. Let him, if he goes out there, beats Dariush the same way he's beat everybody else. Again, there is no other name. There's nobody else. Right now, we could throw out three or four names for Oliveira. We're, we're talking about, at least for me, I'm talking about taking the featherweight champion moving up to fight the lightweight. If he beats Darius, I'm not having that discussion. That's it. He's the guy. And if Darius beats Makachev, that's it. That is it. It's one name, one name only. It's option, not options. That's it. And it's a bigger fight. It's a more interesting fight. Play the long game. There's nothing wrong with that. If they book Makachev Oliveira now, cool i'm watching it it's still a really interesting fight but you give makachev that signature win then he goes into that fight and we're talking we're having a different conversation we just are the interest levels rise but if you ask fans right now what does like if you just say right now what does better on pay-per-view if this is a main event olivera makachev or olivera chandler olivera chandler is the correct answer it just is Oliver Chandler is the correct answer. But Makachev gets that win. We might be having a different conversation. All right, we got to go. I got to get out of here. Mazadal is about to head into the courtroom, maybe virtually. I don't think he's going to do so physically, but I think he's going to be there virtually. So follow along, mafighting.com. Uh, we'll give you updates on what's going on with the status hearing. I think this might be the most interesting status hearing ever in MMA with everything that was discussed in the last hearing. Uh, the findings, the discovery that we could find out about this whole situation, the, these alleged situation with Mazadal and Covington 
and the watch and the medical records and the brain injury stuff. I am, I'm very fascinated by this whole thing. So we'll be back tomorrow, everybody, 8 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. Another edition of heck of a morning. And then tomorrow uh, we will have the live weigh in show. We will be doing a live weigh in show for UFC Vegas 54 because Jose Young's our guy will be on site. So I think it's going to be myself and AK. We're going to have some fun. By the way, BTL, 3 p.m. Eastern. You may have seen this new podcast in our network called No Bets Bard, which stars GC, Connor Birch from the MMA Hour, and our own Jed Mishu. So we're going to split those boys up today on BTL. It's going to be Jed versus GC. BTL, 3 p.m. Eastern time, uh, live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. Casey is off, so we're going to still stream it. It's not going to have the bells and whistles that the, show, that the show normally has, but we're just going to power through, and we're going to make this happen. So busy weekend ahead of us. Get ready. Bellator tomorrow. Lots happening, so we appreciate you all. Check it out this space. Have a heck of a morning. Oh, by the way, I get, forgot to mention this. If you're listening on the podcast network, you get a little bonus. My interview with uh, Houston Alexander. Remember Houston Alexander? The guy is still doing the damn thing at 50. Fighting for B, he's going to be fighting at BKFC tomorrow night, which is just wild. But what a positive guy! So, if you're listening on the podcast network, you will hear that interview with Houston Alexander right now. For those not listening on the podcast network, if you're listening live, have a heck of a morning and a great rest of the day, everybody. Let us welcome Houston Alexander to the program, former UFC fighter, former Bellator fighter, and this man is still doing the damn thing. At the age of 50, he's going to return to the world of bare-knuckle fighting on Friday at BKFC Fight Night in Omaha, Nebraska, to face Jason Fish. Houston. You know, it's, it's very interesting to hear the word 50. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm because sure you hear you know, that. I never, thought, I never thought I would get to this day where someone would say I'm 50. Man, but man, that is so crazy, man. It's, it's 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 wild. I bet you don't feel fifty though, right? It's one of those. No, I don't. Just I actually, I don't feel fifty. When especially when you try to, you know, on days I guess you do feel fifty when you're when you're aching and paining. But um, uh, but you know, if you if you're maintaining, and as I spoke before, if you take care of your body, man, you know, you know, I guess uh, you can you can you can you can uh, fight Father Time for just a little bit longer, you know. Even though we know Father Time is undefeated, <laughs> right? I mean, you can you can ache and pain at you can ache and pain at thirty eight, thirty nine. Oh I mean, yeah, if you don't, yeah, if you don't take you know you don't take care of yourself, man. That's what happens. Yeah, well, it's great to have you here. Uh, so here we are. You're back in the BKFC ring this Friday, and yeah, I, I, it's been a while since since I've spoken to you. I think the last time I spoke to you was probably like seven years ago. It was a long I mean, that's time that ago. Was a while ago. Um, but it seemed like you had taken some time off. It appears from the combat sports world, your last MMA fight was almost five years ago. And then, mm -hmm. and I could be wrong. This is just what the internet tells me. A few years go by and we see you back BKFC 21 September and you knock a dude out in 34 seconds. So how did this happen? When did you decide, you know what? <laughs> this BKFC thing seems pretty interesting. Let's, let's well, go and do let, it. Let me, let, I, think, I guess we have to go back to square one. I've been, first of all, I've been fighting all my life. From, from the time I was a kid in East St. Louis to the time I've, I've been a kid in Omaha, Nebraska, 
I've been fighting all my life. And, and, and it just seems that street fighting is my specialty. <laughs> and, and, and I just happened to, I just happened to be good with these hands. So, so, you know, in between learning how to actually use them with boxing, kickboxing and, and all the good mixed, mixed martial arts I've been doing over the years, um, it just made it, it probably made me a better fighter. But for for, for me to see uh, bare knuckle on online and and for me to you know be asked to be involved with it, I was like, hell yeah, let me be involved with it because you know why? If I'm in the gym, still competing with other people at the highest level, I don't need to be sitting there not getting paid. So, you know, why, why not get paid, get paid for competing at the high level that I'm still competing at? So, and so until somebody knocks me on my ass in sparring or knocks me, really knocks me on my ass where I'm, I'm just done, you know, I don't see any, any reason why I should stop if I enjoy doing it. So, you know, the next 50-year-old might not be, might not be able to do it, but you know what? Damn it, I'm, I'm able to do it. So we mentioned the magic number 50 earlier and, yeah. you know, I'm curious what the motivation behind all this is. Cause obviously money cool. Like you get to do you like and make money. That's, that's not really work. It's something it's, it's, it's the dream almost, but yeah. most people will see, you know, Houston Alexander's fighting, you know, how combat sports fans can be. And they immediately become concerned because of the age. Yeah. And, you know, you had a, some stoppage losses at the tail end of the MMA career. Comes from a place of love and respect, though, Houston. Deep down inside, people just don't want to see you get hurt. So what's your response to those people, those critics who are just like, this guy is still doing this? What is he thinking? Well, you know what? According to my MRI, I'm just fine. You know, And, and, and according to my EKG, uh, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so, you know what? I have all my motor, motor skills. So, again, and, and I'm still, I, I still think I'm fast. So, so you know what? I I, I think it's just the drive. I think I think my competitive uh, nature. You know, it, it just you know I, I just I'm not a quitter. And 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 for me to actually keep doing this, it's because I want to. You know, I don't worry about what other people say. And 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 it's funny, the contrary. When people see me, they ask, "When is the next time you're fighting?" I'm like, you know what? That's so. If, if people are still looking for it, you know, and they're not there they must not be concerned too concerned about my age because they're, they're like, when is the next time you're fighting? So I you know. And so this is a, this is a great opportunity for my hometown of people who actually want to see me uh, fight, get to see that. You feel that fighting at 50 is a pro or a con in your eyes. And, and the reason I ask that is that, you know, maybe you seem physically like you're 30, like you're 30 right now. Like you, yeah. you're in a great place. You're in a great place mentally, you're a great place physically, you know, and maybe, like you said, father time takes away, at least chips away at the physical attributes that mm-hmm. tend to fall off over the years. But the wisdom you've gained far surpasses even the most athletic 22-year-old super athlete. So so what do you yeah. think? Like fighting at 50, especially where you're at right now, is this a pro or a con? I think, you know what? I think it's actually a, a pro. And, you know, again, as you said, the the the, the knowledge, you know, the, 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 the fact that I, you know, I've been, I've been there before. You know, my, my body knows that this is uh, the ring or octagon or, or a cage. They know my body knows that this is a familiar fight place. And so I think I think that the, the knowledge that I've gained over the years and, and physically, you know, besides aches and pains, you know, I actually feel I actually feel just as good or probably even better with all the things that I've been doing. You know, uh, West Summer Heart cryo, Cryotherapy and, you know, uh, it, it, I've been fasting. 
and, and doing those things to take care of the body and, and, and fine tune it to make sure that it's running right. And I, and I, I just really think that, that I'm in a good place mentally and physically, like you said, because, you know, I've, I've gained the knowledge to know better. Being in being in this world, you have to be in, in really good physical condition, but it seems like maybe you've turned the corner over the last few years. What, when did you know that, you know, I mean, and plus technology and science in 2022 is ridiculous right now. Yeah, man. You know, and, and again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a YouTuber. So, and it's, and it's funny because I, I take information from different sites and, you know, especially with the web being, you know, making the world so small, if there's issues that you might have with your body, or if there's things that you might want to know mentally, that the information is out there. As and as long as you 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 know you sort out the information, and and again, if you if there are things you can do to take care of your body just a little bit better than what you what it was yesterday, the information is out there. So uh, you know the 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 internet is the gift and the curse, and I like to I, I like to use the gift part more though, more so than the curse. that's a that's a tremendous way of putting it yeah you step in the ring last year in september and you're in there for all 34 seconds what did that moment feel like for you what did the punch feel like everything can can you put it into words all this time off you get in there you're 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 at home and and you land a 34 second knockout it's crazy you know with the bare knuckle fighting championship uh, they, they gave me that opportunity to do it of course i took it but uh but to be in the ring and 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 I felt light, you know. There was no restrictions with uh with gloves. For, for for some reason, when the gloves are off, you're 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 just a little bit faster. And uh, for for you know for, for me to be in that moment with in front of the crowd and and, and it, w- it was a good it was a good feeling. Yeah, I don't think it was a good p- feeling for me personally. I think it was a good feeling for the people that uh, that supported me all of the years. And 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 for me, you know, to 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 do have done what I did, and it was a, to me. The hard, hardest part is is all the training that you got to do with the coaches and and all the the you know the the the, uh, the things that you have to do outside the ring. Once you get in the ring, it, you know it's easy. And 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 at that particular moment, you know it was easy. So so and 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 for my opponent at the time, you know I, I you know I, I I think I lost it just a little bit at the end. <laughs> but you know I think he understood and everyone kind of understood. That, you know, this is a new, you know new sport, and you just, you just got to get adjusted. So I mean, I, I'm a good I'm in a good place, and I and I don't have, I can keep repeating it. I'm a good I'm at a good pace place mentally and physically. Did it feel different compared to other fights, or was it sort of the the, the same feeling as you're you're walking in, getting the big in, entrance, you get the intro? Did did it feel the same, or did this feel different? No, it, it felt it felt a little different. You know, can, you know, fighting in front of your hometown always feels different. So and then fighting in front of uh, people that love you, or or hate you, you know, it, it, it feels it felt a little different, you know, being here in Omaha, Nebraska. So, um, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it anytime, man. you know. And 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 I think it's not more so. I can I keep saying this. It's not more so for me. It's for all the people that uh, that supported you, whether 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 support in a in a, in a positive way or or non-support in a negative way. You know, you know, at least you're getting supported. See, you know, some, you know, most, most times some publicity is better than no publicity. Yeah. There's no such thing as bad press, right? 
Well, I mean, I don't necessarily yeah. that, but I don't, I don't know. If you're, you're my child molester. That might be, yeah, I was gonna say. That might be bad press. You don't. Nah, you don't want to go that route. No. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to be attached to, attached to that thing. So uh, you don't want that type of press. No, nobody wants that type of press. Uh, what's What's the buzz like this week in Omaha? Is, is people are people? Uh, I think everyone's fired up. You know, it's uh, the second time this promotion has come here. And we've got a lot of great athletes. So we've got Dakota Cochran, who was, uh, who was our headliner, who's, uh, you know, we've been to the gym before. He's a uh, great athlete. Got a lot of great athletes on the card that's, that's had uh, MMA experience all the way around the board, wrestling, boxing, all the people that are on this card put together by my man, my man Train uh, and Nate or uh, Bare Knuckle Boxing uh, and Trains with uh, D.C., management though you know putting together this car was easy because all the people are already in place in omaha and and then this, this whole nebraska area because we've got a lot of great athletes on this card and guess what everyone has their own individual fans and the buzz has been really crazy because when i got people either emailing me texting me or calling me for tickets that's when you know uh they had a good time in the, in the last in the last fight because Going back to the last uh, bare knuckle fighting, fighting championship that came here, I just remember being in the back room going, "Wow, uh, a lot of these." I think that there were thirteen fights, and there were thirteen TKOs, and I think that might have been the first in, in the promotion. And I just was back there going, "I am not going out there to get my ass kicked in front of, in front of, in front of the hometown." <laughs> so you know, lots of broken hands uh, that that day. But one thing I've done over the years that I've, I've done the squeeze, the, 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 the squeeze thing for the past 15 years, for the past every single day for the past 15 years. So my hands are pretty good. And if you go watch your footage of me sparring, I'm actually uh, hitting pads with, with no gloves. So, and man, the, the buzz around the area for this uh, weekend's fight is, is, is tremendous. Great to hear. You're going to fight. Oh, just to say that. <laughs> right. And uh, you're going to fight Jason Fish. You're going to fight Jason Fish. It's his yeah, third yeah. BKFC appearance, if memory serves it correctly. And uh, he's been around the game for a while now as well. He's been fighting for over a decade. Do, do you know yeah. much about him? I don't know much about Jason, but uh, I just know watching some, some of the film that he's a strong guy. He's, he's, a, uh, he's speedy and he's bald. You know, we just happen to have the same barber. So, yeah, so, <laughs> so, you know, he, hey, man, I expect for, you know, two vet, veterans to go in there and just go at it, man. So, uh, and, you know, I, I, I know what I bring to the table. So hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll come out on top in, in my efforts, but, you know, but it, it should be a good battle for, for the, the fans, both online and offline. You've mentioned many times throughout this conversation that this isn't about you. It's about the fans. It's about the nope. people who are going to be in the building. So is it more important for you to get the win or just be in a fun fight that the fans are going to like? Well, first off, no one likes losing. I hate, I, I'm, I'm, I hate losing, but I want to win. But, you know, on top of that, you know, just the, the fans deserve to see a good fight as well. So win first and the fans get to get the good fight second. Fair enough. Are we uh, at this point in your career? Are we in the prediction game, or is this, is that is that? Man, just I'm not there, man. Let's, let's go out there and just whoop, you know just 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 whoop on each other. You know what I'm saying? Let's go out there and give the fans what they want, 
and forget all the predictions and all that crap. You know, like, that's when you know you're old. When you're like, you know what? Let's just go out there and fight. You know, let's just go fight. Let's get it over with. You know, let's get in the ring and let's get it over with. You know. <laughs> So obviously when people look at your resume and they yeah. think about the guys that you have fought throughout your career, the one name that really stands out is the late great Kimbo Slice, right? And we've yeah. seen the growth of the sport of bare knuckle and BKFC over the last five or six years. And do you ever wonder what things would have looked like if the sport was where it is now 13 years ago? Like maybe we could have got you and Kimbo in a bare knuckle fight. Like that just seems like, Man, like if you could go back in the DeLorean, yeah, that, that would have been crazy. But uh, you know, it, uh, uh, and it's funny uh, that you mentioned the Kimbo fight because uh, I think even back then, uh, go you know, reliving the fight, uh, the judges back then, I don't think they were just they were they were as educated as the judges are nowadays. So you know, because if 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 they had the if they had more educated judges back then, they they would have probably gave me. The, the actual fight because of how many times I kicked it and just notice that they're, they're counting kicks nowadays. <laughs> they're really counting the kicks nowadays. So, but, but uh, if, if, if the, this sport was, was, uh, was uh, in the time zone and it was, that would, that would have probably been a great fight to see, you know? And, but, you know, I don't, I, I think I still think I hit harder though. So, cause yeah. I, I don't, I, I, you know, he, I don't think he hit as hard as everyone thought he did. So when I, when I got, and you know, press the piece to Kimbo, a uh, shout out to his family, but you know, I don't, he hit me a couple of times and I'm, I'm just like, but, you know, this is it. What <laughs> you know, it is what it is. He was, wrestling. He was wrestling with you. That was, that was just, I remember watching that. It was just so, such a yeah. crazy fight. It was, a, it was a great and, fight. And, and, and it's funny because, you know, I, you know, the takedown, they got, you know, a, I think he just, you know, I don't think he caught me off guard. I think, you know, I was, I was kind of loose in, in the, in the way I was, uh, 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 engaging with him at the time, and so that's when I got when I when I when I, I got to take down. It, you know, it didn't. It did, of course, it didn't hurt because I'm I'm a, I'm a b boy. I'm a break dancer, but you know, it it, it probably looked it, looked it probably looked worse than what it did because you know right after that, you know, I, I slipped out the back door and and no, you know, and again, you know, I don't know if you, you don't get points for all that. So they don't they don't they don't they didn't give you points for all those, and they, they don't give you you know I don't think again. They weren't as educated as they was back that as they are now back then. Yeah, the, I mean the rules of scoring were way different back then too, and now damage yeah, is yeah. like it's always damage. Damage is number one. Take that. Yeah, are- always damage, and I believe damage is still number one. But but you know you you can they could at least count it all the damn kicks that I I gave that man. Yeah, <laughs> it just shows the evolution of the sport now. You know what I mean? Like yeah, people, I, I guess, I guess, in so I many different ways. I guess, and 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 to see to see uh, guys like Conor McGregor run from their literally run from from their opponent, and they said I was running by circling this guy. That's funny. I know. I mean, you probably, I mean, you probably fought at the right time because MMA fans are ruthless now. It's so ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. If, if you, you know what, you know what, you know what solves uh, ruthlessness? Winning. Hundred percent. Um, I would be remiss. Oh, by the way, are you, I saw, I, I scrolled through your Instagram real quick. Are you on the ones and twos these days? Are you out here oh, just get, get, getting the peeps up and moving? What's going on? You know what, DJ it, it, Houston Alexander. I was, I, I was DJing uh, longer than I've been fighting. Really? And, and that's, and that's the thing. And, you know, obviously I worked for radio, I worked for a radio station for, for X amount of years, but I was DJing even before that. 
So, you know, I was there, I was DJing on, on Technic 1200s before the, all the technology and everything like that. So, but you know, I've been, I've been doing graffiti art. I've been a B-boy and I'm still a B-boy because I still teach classes at uh, Genesis on Sundays. Uh, and I was, again, I was doing a lot of these things before MMA. MMA just happened to be something that, uh, that I was really good at because I was a good street fighter. And, 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 I, and the tenacity that I showed street fighting, you know, the promotion that I first fought for saw that. And so hip hop is my first love, brother. And fighting is my second love and that I just happen to be good at. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting the similarities we have because I, like you, DJed for a long time, more than half my life. Weddings, nice. more different than you're doing. You're, you're on you, the did, you start, did you start on the 1200s? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, the equipment back then, it was like a thousand pounds. It was ridiculous. And now it's just, like I, a laptop. I, I <laughs> it's just like a laptop, a mixer, and like two speakers. And that's it. Like before, it was yeah. like. Just, just remember, you had to take, remember you had back in, back in the day, you had to bring the crates. Yeah, oh the main albums, man. So you know, I love I love technology in, in that regards to where you can you know you got all your music in one folder, you know, a couple of folders, and then you got and the equipment is a little lighter than what it was. But you know, but but you still have to have skill. You still got to know the music, and you and you and you still got to understand how to rock the crowd. You know. Yeah. Yeah. None, none of that. None of that stuff will change. Never. Yep, you got to read the room, and it's not easy to do. People think you can just go in there and put an iPod together. It doesn't work that way, Houston. It doesn't now, work that if way. If I put you, if I put you, if I put you in a room full of sixty-year-olds, what would be the first song you play? Twist and shout. There you go. So you know, you, you know, you got you got that old. And again, that's how I know you're a DJ because yeah, that that would be a great song to, to start off in a room full of sixty-year-olds. Oh yeah, ABC by something by the Jackson Five, and then we move on up a little bit. Maybe we throw in some. Oh yeah, fire. we just kind of yeah, we just kind of we got to test the waters a little bit in that age group. So so you know demographic. Yeah, and then when you see them get tired, then we slow it down and we get them back up. We don't let people sit down in Houston for very long. We as soon as they get up, we play a slow song down. that they all know the words to, and then we then we then we get them back going. We hit them a shout. You, got, you still DJ, don't you? It's been a while. It's been a while. I haven't done it in like a year. But I remember, I'm getting flashbacks having this conversation. Hey, man, hey, just go get at it, man. But you're doing this now, too, so that's a good thing that you're adding this to, to your, your uh, resume. Absolutely. Last thing, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the Houston Alexander Foundation, which I could yeah. see uh, right behind you. Can, you. can you talk about that, what it means to you, and, uh, and just the, what's going on with it currently? And for the many, you know, for the many years, people probably didn't see me fighting. Is that this is uh, something that's been working. We've been working on and been working really hard with me and my staff. Um, going into the schools ever since 2003 here in Omaha, Nebraska, we've been, we've been going into the schools teaching the kids about hip hop culture because a lot of the kids, a lot of times, kids uh, hear music on the radio and think hip hop culture is just about rap. When uh, they're, you know, hip hop culture, uh, obviously, as you know, is about music and it's about dance and it's about the art. And so we go in and take a whole assembly of kids, the, the administrator, the, the principal, and we go into these schools and we, sometimes it's 600, 800, 500, 200 kids. And we, we, we teach them about uh, the origins of hip hop. We bring in DJs, uh, poppers, lockers, b-boys, the people that beatbox. And we teach the kids about what the culture is about. And I think that's a lot of times, you know, the culture gets lost because of all the the imagery that people are, are portraying, and anytime you got uh, moms, how you know, the, you know, the, you know, the, the moms calling 
dance, hip hop, that's when you know that, you know, you really have to teach the culture because hip hop is the culture. It's not hip hop is not a dance. Break dancing and popping a locking. That's that's the dance. <laughs> the Dougie, that's a dance. It's not you know, that's the dance. Yeah, that's, that's the dance. All that stuff. That's great. So man. you know, our job is to go in and teach the kids about the, the culture and uh and and some you know and, and other aspects is that you know I, I train people for free, you know, the uh, the elderly and young people who don't know how to how, how to work out. Uh I do public speaking uh with the youth and 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 just a little bit of everything, man. Just just to just to get back to the community. Um, no matter where, where, no matter where I go, I just try to get back. That is amazing. Uh, is there a website or anything that, that people could check this you, out or social media? Org, and, or you just go to any of my social media sites. I'm trying to stay active uh, in, in social media because, uh, you know, no, no matter what people, uh, say again, the internet is the gift and the curse. And I'd rather use the, the gift side and, 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 and actually putting out there, putting out good information and putting out good vibes because uh, I, I saw something the other day that says uh, uh, your energy is, is the first thing people see. So, you know, hopefully my energy over the years have been the first people, first thing people have, have seen and they know that I'm, you know, I'm, ha- I'm a halfway decent guy. Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that's the understatement of, of 2022 thus far, Houston. I appreciate <laughs> you doing this. Uh, 48 hours away from this fight, a little more than that. I really appreciate it. All the best to you the rest of fight week at home. I, I think that makes life a little bit easier as well. And uh, yes, excited sir. to see you back in there on Friday. Well, I appreciate it, man. And, and condolences to your uncle, man. You know, you know, and I know you're going through a lot of things. Uh, and, and for you to be doing this podcast with me is, and you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I really can, uh, my condolences to you and your uncle and your family. Thank you so much, Houston. I really appreciate it. No problem, brother. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.